And if you will turn to Lord's Day number six, we are working our way through the Heidelberg Catechism this year, and we are in the second part. The first is how great my sin and misery is. The second, how I am redeemed from all my sins and misery. And we are looking at Lord's Day number six, looking at who do we need? What kind of mediator and redeemer must we seek? And so we're going to read question and answer 16 through 19. I'll read the question. Question 16. Why must he be a true and righteous man? Because the justice of God requires that the same human nature which has sinned should make satisfaction for sin, but one who himself, a sinner, cannot satisfy for others. Why must he also be true God? That by the power of his Godhead he might bear in his manhood the burden of God's wrath, and so obtain for and restore to us righteousness and life. But who now is that mediator who in one person is true God and also a true and righteous man? Our Lord Jesus Christ, who is freely given unto us for complete redemption and righteousness. From where do you know this? From the Holy Gospel, which God himself first revealed in paradise, afterwards proclaimed by the holy patriarchs and prophets, and foreshadowed by the sacrifices and other ceremonies of the law, and finally fulfilled by his well-beloved Son." Why must he be? Why the God-man? That's actually the title of a book that Anselm wrote. And what we have here, in a sense, is a summary of that book. Why did our mediator, why did our redeemer, must, must he be a man? Why couldn't it have been an animal? I mean, there were all those sacrifices in the Old Testament. You had sin offering and the burnt offering, the trespass offering, the peace offering, and on and on and on. Wasn't that sufficient? If the wages of sin is death and the animal dies, and when you, when you offered that sacrifice, you placed your hands on the animal and you confessed your sins, then you took the knife and you slit its throat and the blood was poured out. The animal died in your place. Wasn't that sufficient? The answer is no. Why? Because human, you are a human, not an animal. The wages of sin of a man must be paid for by a man, by a human. As it says, for the justice of God requires that the same human nature which has sin should make satisfaction for sin but one who himself is a sinner is disqualified. So he had to be a perfect, righteous, true man and a righteous man. He had to fulfill all God's requirements. Every moment of his time here on earth, from, from in the womb until his death. 
Why? Because God had called him to that. His righteousness not only qualified him to be our Savior, but his righteousness is imputed to us if we trust in him alone. So that, as the Catechism will later say, who are you? I am righteous in Christ before God. Not in myself. Our righteousness, what does the Bible say? Is as filthy rags. But what about the righteousness of Christ? Do you need that? Yes. Without it, there's no hope. Yes, your sins are forgiven, and then you go out and sin again. No, it's the righteousness of Christ. He was a righteous man. He, he, he was qualified as a man. He was not a sinner. He did not sin. But also, uh, and, and sometimes I think we, we don't really think about God, how powerful and how righteous and how holy God is and how awful our sin is and how it has to be punished with eternal punishment. With hell for eternity, you will never satisfy divine justice in yourself in hell for eternity, the Bible teaches. That's very unpopular today. That's why many people, I don't believe in God. I don't want to be there, God. I don't want judgment. I can't pay the debt. One sin, right? Eternity separated from life, from God, from all that's good. And so it says, why must he be true God? That by the power of his Godhead, he might bear in his manhood the burden of God's wrath. His infinite, eternal wrath that you and I cannot bear. Only God can bear, can bear it. And so God, the Son, endured the wrath of God the Father. What did Jesus say on the cross? What was the worst part of the cross? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? From all eternity, the Son and the Father had communion with one another. And at that moment, Jesus became sin. Jesus became you. And he experienced what you deserve. Only God could do so. And being innocent, he did not get angry. The punishment he was experiencing is nothing, whatever you experience in this life is nothing compared to what he experienced. And yet he was innocent. And yet he didn't get bitter, did he? He embraced judgment because of his love. Greater love, there's no man than this, that a man would lay down his life for his friends, and he laid down his life for his enemies. And so he has obtained for us, and he has restored us, notice it says there, to righteousness and life. My righteousness is now Christ's righteousness. I receive that by faith alone, and my life is now bound up in his life in Christ. I'm alive from the dead. If you believe in Jesus, the tying in of that is tied with Jesus. And so look at uh, verse eight, uh, question 18. 
But now, who is that mediator? Who in one person is true God and also true and righteous man, our Lord Jesus Christ. And in particular, that word Jesus. What is his name? Kids? His name is Jesus. And the angel told us why. Anybody? Do you know in Matthew? His, his name shall be called Jesus, for he will, anybody, save? Yeah, he will save his people from their sins. So when we say Jesus, we're saying Savior. He's my Savior. But he's also the anointed, the Christ, and he's also the boss, the Lord. He's my Lord. He's my Savior. He's the anointed of God. He is my everything. Our Lord Jesus Christ, who is freely given, there's grace, freely given to us for complete redemption and righteousness. Do you have to do anything if you have complete redemption? Do you have to add to it? Can you? No, it's complete, <laughs> right? How about righteousness? Do you have to maintain righteousness before God in order to be saved? No, it's the righteousness of Christ. Does that mean all oh, I can sin? No, of course not. I hate my sin because it offends my Savior. So where do you know this? Well, from the Bible and from the Holy Gospel, and I love this, which God himself first revealed in paradise. I like to say it this way. Who was the first gospel preacher? It was God. God preached the first gospel to Adam and Eve when they fell. He also was the preacher that preached the gospel to Abraham, Paul says. In Genesis 12, when God called Abraham, in you all the nations of the earth will be blessed, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Paul says that was the gospel. Who preached it? God did. God is the first preacher. He first revealed it in paradise afterwards proclaimed by the holy patriarchs and prophets. So the gospel was proclaimed throughout the Old Testament. Pictures of that were the sacrifices and other ceremonies of the law and finally fulfilled in his well-beloved son. Is that why we study the Old Testament? To see Jesus? And the answer is yes. Jesus is all throughout the Bible, not just in the New Testament. He's there in the Old if you have eyes to see. So we can learn about Jesus by looking at the tabernacle, by looking at the sacrifice, by looking at the high priest, and on and on and on. Those are all pictures of Jesus. Spend your life learning about Jesus, Old and New Testament. And so, who is your Savior? Our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen.